Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, hosted by Mark Benke and myself, Joe Vinipal. We're two pop culture nerds dedicated to celebrating our favorite properties and talking to the creative minds and personalities that make them great. You might learn something new about pop culture history or rediscover the recent past. Follow us on social media for weekly pop culture content, where we're always dissecting. Joe, I hear that suit really seals in the flavor. <laughs> well, you know, when you uh, you fight crime in a flight suit, um, <laughs> it just, yeah. just like you're just basting yeah. event- eventually. Mm-hmm. God, for those of you that are <laughs> robbed of the of the video program and listening to audio mm-hmm. only, Mr. Joseph is decked out in his Ghostbusters flight suit, which is the reason why we're here tonight. We're talking video games again, mm-hmm. back on that, that fantasy football snake, rolling back to the other topics, and we're going to be doing a retro review yeah. of Ghostbusters the video game, aren't mm-hmm. we? Yes, not to be confused with... Ghostbusters the video game that came out on the Wii originally during this time uh, because this was definitely the Atari release for the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 that eventually gets remastered on the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and the Switch. Yeah, they, they definitely had a bit of a journey, this this game, because long before even that happened, it had bounced around a bunch of different publishers. Mm-hmm. It kind of went through a little bit of like development hell. And it, this actually goes back to a time where I actually referenced this on the, uh, on the Fallout retrospective that we released a couple weeks ago, that mm-hmm. I had very limited knowledge of gaming news in like the early to mid-2000s. Just... I, I saw a Game Informer with the logo on it, did think half of it, and then next thing I know, my brother's like, hey, Ghostbusters game came out today. Like, oh. And I was like, what? Did what? what? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what? What? <laughs> Had no idea. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it was a good time. It was a good time. I called into work, man. <laughs> You know, honestly, I think I did the same. Like I, I, I picked that up, and I just, I just hit it like immediately when I got home. Uh, and this was at the time where, like, I, I had a part, I have an apartment with friends, and I just bogarted the TV. That honestly was mine anyway in the main living area. So it's like, yeah, yeah. guys, I don't, I don't know what you got planned for the day, but I'll be playing this for the next two minimum. Yes. Uh, so this is, this is my, my time on the TV now. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. Joe's special time, not to be confused with Joe's <laughs> other special time. Other time, yes. Yeah, Ooh, that's at a much later hour. But yeah. <laughs> more, yeah. more about the game. Mm-hmm. Well, so here, here's one thing I wanted to kind of change up for this episode because we've spent a lot of time in the year 2009 with mm-hmm. video games, and we don't want to just keep repeating in the, year the same. 2000- names and not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like we don't just want to keep going through the same games and i thought it might make a little more sense to maybe do an icebreaker joe where we talk yeah. about ghostbusters games mm-hmm. before this one just for a moment mm-hmm. i mean which which ones did you play in this storied and not not embarrassing <laughs> history at all so i i'm not gonna lie mark when when um we we pitched this when you pitched the idea to me that this is this is how we're going to do this episode, uh, and not go the the usual route of uh, video games in the year of. Um, I did not reveal to you that I'd only really played one other Ghostbusters video game before this one, and it was the worst one, the one that made no fucking sense on the Nintendo, where like you would just kind of randomly drive the Ecto around at other jobs. Uh, in different spots in New York City, you would do things, but they seemingly wouldn't mean anything, uh, and it it kind of followed what the movie did, but it also really didn't. And I just remember not getting very far in the game before I just shut it off. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go outside today. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Ghostbusters didn't really have a whole lot of great things they did on video game consoles because i'm assuming you're talking about the first game the nes release that i mean if you do beat the game mm-hmm. all it says is congratulations not yeah. congratulations mm-hmm. 
Singular. Nope. One congratulation. You get one. Just one. Yeah. Everyone gets yeah. one for beating this game when you deserve way more. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> which I never got the congratulation because I never made it that far. Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. I did. And uh, it's it's definitely a strange memory. It's not a not a core <laughs> core memory at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 one that I think we actually played the most though was the Ghostbusters two adaptation, mm-hmm. which was the single hardest video game I think I have ever played in my life. Ooh. And it's it is uh, not fun. It's not enjoyable <laughs> by any means. The, the mm-hmm. controls are horrendous. Uh, it, it's this weird dynamic where, like, you you're basically just side scrolling, mm-hmm. and then there's these random Ecto One A sequences that just whew, they test you, Joe. Like, <laughs> like if if there was like Puss mm-hmm. in Boots level anger, Oof. it happened here at a, at a much younger age. I said I was gonna so, go Simba in a stampede. And and see if that would also dredge up some video game pain and memories for those of us who played The Lion King and the Sega Genesis. And that's yeah. usually where we broke a controller. Yeah, mm-hmm. these games were just... Uh, these tie-ins were not mm-hmm. great games. Now, there was, no. there was mm-hmm. one that came out for the Sega Mega Drive, which was just called Ooh. Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And... It had nothing to do with any of the movies. It was just this original game where you had the three Ghostbusters you could play as. Mm-hmm. The graphics were actually pretty good for that time frame, like the Genesis mm-hmm. era graphics. And the game itself was actually really fun. It was really addictive. Um, mm-hmm. So simple platforming, just basically tiny Ghostbusters with massive mm-hmm. heads. It was really funny looking. Yeah. But it, but it was a fun a, game. My, my, yeah. I say, it didn't have a gorilla at all in it, did it? There was no gorillas okay. or... Mm-hmm. Or like magic mirrors that help them solve crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing quite like that. Um, but but that's really the landscape, man. There's there's some extreme Ghostbusters tie-ins that they made yep. that were really mm-hmm. god awful. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> not, uh, not not a strong yeah. video gaming history for this franchise. No, absolutely mm-hmm. not. It's it's basically like me trying to stretch now in my thirties, where I. I <laughs> slowly realize just how little dexterity I have, and and that's frankly the best way to describe <laughs> the Ghostbusters franchise in video game form up to this point. It's just, yeah. Not a whole lot of movement, mm-hmm. Joe. No, really not, which is what made this game so incredibly refreshing. Because yeah. it is the polar opposite of everything we've described before. Because it's going to take like a, a really familiar controlling system, uh, Compare like if you if you've played other video games in the past, specifically Gears of War, um, because well I don't really know this well because I, sadly I've not played Gears of War. I do remember playing the game quite a bit, and my roommate being like, "Hi, oh, you run like you do in Gears of War." So yeah. he yeah. every time I started sprinting in that game, he he made that comment. Um, yes. So it was never lost on me that it was like Gears of War, um, but on top of like really taking from solid video game mechanics it does something that we thought we would never get, and that is make an actual sequel to the first two Ghostbusters movies. And that is where this game just really thrived with expanding on the lore of of the original movies. So, Mark, what, what do you have to say about how the video game was able to expand the, the Ghostbusters universe in, I would say, quite possibly the greatest way ever? You know, the, the thing for me was I remember back when... We were on early dial-up internet, and mm-hmm. Ghostbusters 2 had been out of theaters for four or five years. We're getting to the mid-90s. And people were all talking about these like leaked Ghostbusters 3 treatments at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of it was true. Like, some of it actually ended mm-hmm. up being true over time. But then, uh, then little by little, it's like, yep, that never happened. It mm-hmm. never occurred. And so when this video game comes out, I'm starting to read into it, and you're like, okay, what has this thing got going for it? Oh, they're bringing back the, literally the entire original voice cast. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Aykroyd and, and Harold Ramis are involved mm-hmm. in the writing, and, and they're basically being like uh, treated as consultants in the process mm-hmm. and hammering it out. And, and, and then, yeah, it's like, okay, this actually seems like it could be legit. And uh, what I was getting at with the original, quote-unquote, Ghostbusters 3 was that it was supposed to take place in this Manhattan, you know, play on Manhattan. Awful stuff. Don't leave Dan Aykroyd alone. But <laughs> but it was this concept of different 
universes kind of overlapping, and that's what the ghost world was essentially doing, was overlapping with the real world. And so in the first movie, even the second movie to a little bit, you're starting to see that interference of those mm-hmm. of those worlds. So right away, I was like hearing about this stuff and going, somebody was paying attention. Yep. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Somebody was paying attention. And and then obviously you start seeing like the iconography and getting go back to the Sedgwick Hotel and and you know stay puffed on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for sure that like the hype once I realized, oh my god, this game is out, it was real. The hype was yeah. absolutely real for me once once I had it in hand. Absolutely. And you've got something that's also pretty rare in the modern age of video gaming, is that it had both a very very well written and engaging story mode and a pretty well thought out and fun multiplayer mode that came uh, alongside of it where it wasn't like the whole like oh you beat the story now the game really begins nonsense and by that it just means you're doing the same like four raids over and over again uh never going to forgive you destiny for that's making me pay for DLC that's already on my disc yeah so many infuriating things. Um, no, this game just had a fully developed game with a fully developed online uh, game where you had different pl- different play modes, different maps, and this really cool like most wanted ghost system oh, that God, was yeah. cool and infuriating, and in that it was it seemingly ass random. Uh, yeah. you would, you would, you would, after you would clear enough money or clear enough missions, you would randomly spawn a most wanted ghost. And like, at least to the credit, it would, it would spawn one that you actually needed, um, and not just keep respawning old ones over and over again. But the goal was to get through this most wanted list of ghosts. Uh, and I think you end with like a red slimer who's massive and huge and just a dick. Um, so it found ways to keep you coming back after you completed the story and legitimately so, where you actually enjoyed continuously playing the game online, even though, sadly, that was a pretty short-lived endeavor for the online world. Mm-hmm. Well, for, at least for PlayStation Network, it was very short-lived. I, I think it was only maybe like a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. And then Xbox Live carried it for quite a long time, though. I mean, it was probably five or six years or seven. I can't remember how long. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, that, that multiplayer experience was, was absolutely uh, unexpected. And enjoyable. I, I remember mm-hmm. that uh, very fondly. I played a lot of that. There was um, a point where I had played it on my brother's Xbox 360 for a while. Mm-hmm. Got crazy good at the multiplayer stuff. And then when I bought my own PS3, I started playing online and I jumped into a match and we're doing the whole you know speaker headset stuff. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. unranked, completely unranked. I have no none of the cool stuff and everything. And like I joined. Uh, one of the levels where it's just basically like survival mode and you have to, yeah. you know, just mm-hmm. knock out all the, all the, uh, ooze creatures and stuff. And, uh, the guy's like going, is this your first time playing? And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, no, this is not my first time playing. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> yeah. Guys, don't, don't mind if you have to carry me a little bit. First time yeah. over here. Yeah. Total rookie. Yeah. I was going to say, do you guys have uh, a good chiropractor? Cause I've been carrying so much weight on my back the last hour. <laughs> But mm-hmm. so, and that, and that's, we'll come back to the multiplayer in a minute here, but I think to your point, Joe, about the Gears of War third person perspective mm-hmm. really ended up becoming the perfect vessel for a Ghostbusters game, you know, because I've seen like this VR experience and, and some of these games that, you know, want you to, uh, you know, be that close to the action. I don't really mm-hmm. care for that. I thought this was like the, the coolest way to have you play as a Ghostbuster, where you can you're standing behind them, and you're still controlling your proton pack mm-hmm. like a for, like you know like most action games, and I oh, thought yeah. that you know mm-hmm. thought that was fantastic. I, I mean, what were your first impressions yeah. of that? I mean, I've always been I've always preferred the third person over the first person um, over the shoulder view myself, uh, just because like when you make like a really beautiful game, I like seeing more of it on my screen as opposed to just like this tunnel vision that I really get. Um, I like seeing the character and the proton pack and like in its in its entirety. And yeah. just watching the proton pack work in this game because um, it is more than just your standard um, Neutrona blast. 
uh, you get you get boson darts and, uh, and a stasis ray, and, uh, and you, they they integrate the slime pack uh, into the standard proton pack, and you can see it switch between all these modes and different things yeah. happening to the pack, and that's just it's something you just miss out on completely if you yeah. were just in this first person shooter mode, because like yeah you'd see I guess they could make a few things happen to the neutrona wand, but it's just not the same as seeing this full pack go. And I also have to say, like, the wonders this game did for the prop building community at the time. Mm. Because, like, obviously, like, we were, we were, we were into this a little bit at the time. Um, not, not quite fully as, like, not, not our peak Ghostbuster, uh, like, um, gaming, not Ghostbuster, like, cosplaying that we did. But, yeah. like, watching people building packs that did what the video game did was mind-blowing to me to just actually see it happen like in real life um over the internet <laughs> um was just fantastic so it's it was something that it gave the franchise and the fans of the franchise this breath of fresh air that we had been waiting for since like what 1987 1989 1989 1989 was when 89 was two came out yeah so it was something we've been wanting for such a long time and like it just it did it perfectly absolutely perfectly um so i don't know yeah (laughs) going back to the proton pack for a moment though i I, even before you get any of the upgrades for it Mm -hmm. just the fact that the proton pack tells a story because up on the the wand mount Mm-hmm. was what you saw was like a little indicator that showed what, what your health meter was. And I didn't actually notice that when I first started playing it, even though they like bluntly show you and they pan down it and, <laughs> and Ray is telling you, you know, here's what mm-hmm. your pack is doing. And then after I was playing it at harder difficulties, I went, oh my God, that actually shows my health? <laughs> what? And That's and then the concept... <laughs> Well, mm-hmm. then the concept of the cyclotron not just being something that, you know, cycles red lights quickly. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, that's how the proton pack actually vents. That's how. Yep. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, I mean, that blew my mind, too. I was like, they, they didn't just take Mm-mm. something and make a game with it. They took something and actually applied logic to it as like yes. a fan would, mm-hmm. you know? It's crazy. I loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Still and then. Speaking of things that uh, they, 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 you know, like they did for the fans, is just the absolutely insane amount of references and Easter eggs to the first two movies, and like the animated, the, the two animated series that came from this uh, from the franchise, uh, like right away from the beginning when you are on the first mission because Slimer makes it out of this little like little containment area, and you go down to the basement, which is the R and D department. And you've got a real Ghostbusters PKE sitting on a bench right next to an extreme Ghostbusters ghost trap. So you've, and then of course, like the myriad of things from the movies when you you got Vigo, like his painting, like just sitting in the main area and you can talk to him throughout the game. So they, they just find ways. And then this was, of course, like that's like the absolute short list of short lists of of references that this this game makes, but like it, it's 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 that throughout the game. Uh, so, yeah. I, like Mark, what was what was something that you remember seeing in this game that just made you kind of like, ah, oh, yes, like this <laughs> this feels good to be playing this game. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, literally being in the firehouse, like like the game begins there, and mm-hmm. you've got. Uh, you got Ray Stance working on on the experimental pack that you're using, and right away you're just kind of feeling like you're part of the of a new movie, right? Like you're getting to interact directly with these guys. Um, and, and for me, it was actually kind of breathtaking to see the containment unit in all its glory because it's not the same one that was there in the films. It, it was mm-hmm. kind of like a hybrid of the RGB uh, version of the of the yeah. containment unit, you know. So it was. It was made to look more, you know, more uh, realistic, I guess, and and all that. But then you also get to see that there's even like an underground, like dirt floor room underneath the firehouse too. Like they keep going down, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like, man, that just seems like really uncomfortable to me to have a dirt floor in a basement like that. But hey, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I grew up with one, and it wasn't great. Totally creepy. Not fun. <sighs> 
Um, but like, yeah, being like you said, like it felt like you were part of the movie. And yeah. like you said, part of that was a big part of it is that again, the fact that they got the original four Ghostbusters to come back and voice the game, which is something like you, like we really thought you would never happen because one Bill Murray, like as, yeah. as legendary as, as he is and how much everyone loves him. Like, I think, at least in the Ghostbusters community, it's pretty well known that the reason why a third movie really didn't happen is because Bill Murray just was not on board for it. And he would do kind of like dick moves every once in a while, where I remember like there was uh, like some sort of award show, and yeah, unprompted, he... he came out in full Ghostbuster gear. And, and the, the crowd went wild, and he's like, I'm sorry, I don't mean anything by this, it's just all that was left that was clean. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, he's he's just doing it to do it. Fantastic. Um, so getting him to come back and do something, you get Annie Potts is back as Janine in this as well. And you've got a few things happen. Obviously, we need a new mayor because the, the original actor, I believe, who played the mayor passed away uh, before mm-hmm. this game was made. And it was actually, I, I forget the actor's name. He played... Oh. Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah, Brian Doyle Murray. He was in yeah. the second movie as the um, the psychiatrist in the in the psychiatric ward, um, but yep. he's yep. he's the he's the mayor. Um, yeah, and I think the the only the only two that I think people would have loved to have but didn't make it. Uh, one Sigourney Weaver, who I just I don't know if she I, I I can't say for certain why she wasn't there. Whether it was like a no interest or conflict of schedule, um, where she couldn't make it. Um, yeah. And, of course, like Rick Moranis, if, if you know his story after the passing of his wife, he just kind of put all acting to rest, and he was going to focus on his family. So that's understandably so. I, we, we don't see uh, Louis Tully in this. However, we do see his suit and his earmuffs to let us we know do. that we, we do have the memory of Rick Moranis living on. Yeah, he has like a little note on his desk that says uh, he's either out to lunch or something. And mm-hmm. uh, I also thought it was cool that they they brought uh, Mr. Walter Peck, William Atherton himself, back to, mm-hmm. and his his involvement with this uh, was actually interesting to me because they took his role, and it's like you you have to imagine this guy's a government you know uh, agent. He's a mm-hmm. he's a you know, he's a he's a worker for the people here, so of course he wouldn't get fired after the first, you know, the first. Well, let me take that back. He might have gotten fired from the EPA, but I hey. guarantee you, he found another, you know, yes. government agency mm-hmm. to work under. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it was mm-hmm. funny to see him return and and still kind of be as smarmy with the Ghostbusters, yeah. but mm-hmm. but he has to work with them this time because he's ordered by the mayor to do so, and they have mm-hmm. a government contract and. So right away, like I like how they avoided the whole, you know, we got to get the band back together thing, mm-hmm. and and you know things are bad because it's a sequel. You know they didn't yep. do any of that. It nope. was like, nope, Ghostbusters are in a great place, mm-hmm. but now they've got a little bit of oversight for what they do. Yes. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was yeah, actually pretty good. I like that. Very very good. So on top of expanding that part of the cast and making. Uh, again, really showing how like they care about how they want the world to work. So they think of like the the politics of the Ghostbusters being able to work in New York City, uh, and basically it has to be done under government regulation. Uh, they also manage to expand the actual lore of like the ghosts and Gozer is a is a huge part of it. Uh, and one thing that we if we I think if Mark and I would make one complaint over Ghostbusters Afterlife, and really it is the only complaint I think that both of us have of the movie, is how it wasted Evo Shandor. And he he basically comes back just to be killed in an instant. Uh, whereas this game, Shandor is the focus of what's going on. And you figure out just like how deep the well of Gozer really goes and why Shandor kept seeking out this this demigod or no, no, no yeah demigod is what gozer was classified as um to basically bring about a new world through destruction and you get to really dive into the cult of shandor and all this other stuff that just made the game that much more fun and to me that was one of the most interesting things because if you're not like a a ghostbusters lore 
junkie, okay, mm-hmm. and, and you haven't looked into all the background of that. Um, mm-hmm. The whole concept of what Evo Shandor was trying to do in the first movie, even though he was written out essentially as a live-action mm-hmm. character, but a lot of the threads that, that they wanted to include about him were fleshed out, and they just weren't used. And so in this way, this game functionally is the third movie for a lot of people. Yeah, It's, it's because, yes, the cult of Shandor, we actually get to understand who they are. Mm-hmm. And we also get to understand that uh, Central Park West, that were you know where Sigourney Weaver lives, mm-hmm. there was a strategy behind that building, plus several other iconic New York landmarks at the same time. You know, so when this whole construction work that you know Shandor was doing in that first movie gets mentioned, suddenly it helps you start to get immersed more in what you already know, but you may just not have like an intimate knowledge yet of it. So I I thought it was great that they, first off, they got the characters nailed down, even though some of it, some of the voice acting can be wooden at times, but, but, Mm -hmm. but the characters themselves, these guys slid right back into them. So Mm -hmm. like for me, the setting was perfect. What they were trying to do was working. And mm-hmm. yeah, it felt like an interactive movie right from the get-go. Yeah. I'm just happy that they thought that Ernie Hudson sounded enough like Winston Zeddemore to cast him <laughs> in the game and didn't go with Arsenio Hall again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, nothing against Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall is great, and he was like an absolute great part of the real Ghostbusters. But if you were unaware, Ernie Hudson literally tried out for Winston Zeddemore for the real Ghostbusters and was told he didn't sound enough like Winston and was passed yeah. for the job. It's just... Like, you just, again, more things just feel bad for Ernie Hudson for. It's like, how many more times can you kick this man in the pants? <laughs> you don't sound enough like the character that you played. We're going to go another direction with it. Oh, okay. Thanks for the opportunity, I guess. Which this game kind of wrote, rewrote some of those wrongs because, like, mm-hmm. he's not there right away for, like, the first run that you go on right mm-hmm. after the game starts. But he's going to the opera with his wife, and they talk mm-hmm. about how. You know, how he went out and got an education and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. which I wouldn't say was like a pure table setting for what he was doing in Afterlife. Yeah. But it feels like they borrowed that thread from this. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) It was like, I think the franchise realized, like, you know what, we've kind of done Winston dirty, um, like, quite a bit in the past. Let's do something to the character that will make... And and I, I think Ernie Hudson will definitely talk about this more like he, he has talked about this um quite a bit over how like yeah like the character is written as like this like former air like he's an air force veteran and he has this really like fantastically strong backstory to, to him and that's what he was pitched at uh, or pitched on and got the part for and then of course as you know um, two people lock themselves in a bomb shelter and rework the mm. whole script and winston is now more of an everyman who's you know, again, if it comes with a steady paycheck, he'll believe anything you say. Uh, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's who we get with it. So while he was definitely happy to be Winston Zeddemore and is very happy where he's ended up with the character, he definitely has said that there was definitely a kind of a better promise that was made for him. Uh, yeah. But... Well- Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, when when he was pitched the role, though, too, mm-hmm. the script I think he was working with was also still with Eddie Murphy in mind, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that that script was naturally much more fleshed out. He was supposed to be at the forefront of a lot more things going on, mm-hmm. and then suddenly that script gets changed once once he's ready to start shooting, and and, and yeah. you know that that really sucks. You feel mm-hmm. for the guy, um, but in this game, though. Like they they really did pay a lot of attention story wise to the mm-hmm. universe of Ghostbusters, and there's way too much content to go through to try and fit within a oh, retro God, review, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> retro review format. But what they what they absolutely nailed though was capturing enough of the vibe of the original movies in the levels that you're going to, but still helping them feel somewhat new. And we're not going to go level for level, but one mm-hmm. example would, of course, be going back to the Sedgwick Hotel, which oh, is the yeah. site of mm-hmm. you know catching Slimer for the first time. And the whole concept of going there was interesting to me because, really, we've only ever seen, what, like uh, two or three rooms in the Sedgwick, you know, mm-hmm. the, the long hallway, um, and not much more. Mm-hmm. But this game shows right away, though, 
that even though these levels are designed in a linear format, like a lot of these mm-hmm. third-person games are, they still made it fun to do this. Because you're, you're getting to see what the rest of a set of a movie is supposed to look like. And and so fleshing out the Sedgwick as this, you know, uh, obviously it, it looks like it should, but then mm-hmm. you get to go to other areas of it. Like, I really love that that concept and uh, how they made it creepy to even yeah. kind of navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you like, because you do have you go you go to the Cedric twice in the game, and then when you come back the second time with the Spider Woman, oh my God, uh. <laughs> that that is solid creep right there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say, man, I I uh uh-uh. mm-hmm. nope mm-hmm. no thank you nope. Mm-hmm. nope. Speaking I... of that solid creep factor, it brings me to another part of the game that I think was done incredibly well when thinking of the original movies and that's when you get to go to the new york public library oh and you get to one you do jump between the real world and like the fold uh of where the, the 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 ghosts are actually coming from and you would think that maybe that was the scary part and it's not it's actually the children's <laughs> section in the basement oh. because, oh, my God, yeah, hearing, like, little kids laughing and voices and doors are opening. And, like, you've got it. One, you're fi- you're trying to find, like, an artifact because your picky meter is going off for a collectible. And every time you, like, open a door, kids are laughing at you. Lights are turning on and off. And then right when you're happy for the whole thing to be over and you're walking out of the children's section, you hear one of them say goodbye, and it's like, oh, God, no, 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 I need to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I need an adult. Someone turn on the lights. Let's get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. That that was absolutely a high point there, too. Mm -hmm. And once again, I know it sounds like we're repeating ourselves here, but just the fact that you get to go into the public library they fleshed out so much more story behind the gray lady, the librarian. So literally the first ghost that they ran into in the movies. And so for me, it was like a combination of things, Joe, like the story of this game was like irregularly good. I mean, especially for a movie tie in, but then it wasn't just those details that were really good. It was the fact that there was the details behind the gameplay too, Mm -hmm. because the way that you bust ghosts in this is the same concept they talk about in the movies and the cartoons where there's a, you know, like a psychoenergetic field around the ghosts. You got to break down that energy before you can catch them. And that's literally what you're doing in the game. You like, you're firing your weapons and stuff. You see the PKE field and how much Mm -hmm. energy they have. You wear it down and then you trap them. And I mean, it's, it's it makes so much damn sense. It's like how come nobody else mm-hmm. came up with this idea? <laughs> I know, you got you got to zap them, you got to cap them, you got to trap them. That's just oh. ghost busting one on one, baby. That's oh. how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a beautiful course taught by Ackroyd. <laughs> but <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what? I I'll make one more point before we get to ratings because I I know you and I could absolutely oh, just yep. just dote on this this thing all mm-hmm. day. So they. What I really loved about it was that they made sense of why things were the way they were in the movies, which mm-hmm. is the location of Dana's building, uh, the museum of, of you know museum of art, uh, the the New York Public Library. All these locations were part of a backup plan, you know, for Evo Shandor. Like this guy was just thinking of all kinds of crazy. He was like, it was like a Ghostbusters Voldemort over here. He's like coming up with all these redundancies. And I thought that that was so, like, just crazy cool that, yeah, there's no way that he just left it with, like, one way to bring Gozer into this world, right? And I I thought that was, like, for one, I was geeking out almost the entire damn time. (laughs) I mean, these felt like real revelations to me until until they came out with Afterlife, and I was just like, Mm -hmm. the stuff they did with this video game legit should be a a movie. I mean, I I just, I I love those threads that much. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, again, like, we, we talk about how, like, there's no throwaway line in the original Ghostbusters movie. When you're, when you're building the lore of Gozer, like, you're, like, they're, they're talking about real, like, past civilizations of between, like, whether it's Sumerian, Babylonian, you've got the Hittites going on in there. Um, and you're, you're talking about, like, how these civilizations get wiped out. And it's it, it's actually because of Gozer as opposed to like an opposing army or anything else going on. And you build this lore very well. And then this game takes it and just 
really, really hits it home because even the things that maybe you don't really understand from the first movie, where you talk about how like um, something is uh, destroyed by a, by a giant tour, uh, which oh, slur. no, no, there's there's a giant tour at first, and then there's oh. the people who know what it was like to what was it roast in the bellies of, the, of a slower that day i tell you i think is what they say and that was like one of like you know what the hell's a slower um i'm not sure what a slower is so clearly it's just some other monster and then in the game you get to see a slower on top of all of the other stuff that they expand on here and like there's no like oh this is the fourth cataclysm <laughs> what, were, what were the first three um mm-hmm. to, to your point though about the slower what I what I really want to point out there was like yeah you have to fight one, mm-hmm. but that's a juvenile slore. Yeah, that's that, a little guy that, and he's pretty big. <laughs> he, he's a he's a very large dude for a little mm-hmm. guy. So that's that's what makes it kind of the visual when you're starting to think about it. If like you're a super fan, you're like mm-hmm. going man, like what what actually was going on with the Voltron and I? Like how could they have gotten this you know get their ass beat so bad by this mm-hmm. thing? And you're like, oh, because it's oh, ten fucking why. stories. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> makes mm-hmm. sense now. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, mm-hmm. and and the one thing we haven't called out yet, which is this concept of like black slime, and mm-hmm. that that's really what this game is is positioned off of. Because um, this is one revelation that I won't. No, oh, no, we actually we brought this up when we talked mm-hmm. about Ghostbusters 101. Fuck it, I'll, I'll spoil it. Yeah, you actually find out that all the all the slime that's in New York is there because it was literally pumped into New York mm-hmm. and the Shandor folks found out a way to ship it from one place to another. And that's, that's where all of this, this energy comes from. That's where all mm-hmm. these ghosts are, are finding ways to seep out of their uh, plane of existence. It's because mm-hmm. of this black slime. Yeah. And, and it's once again, giving this like mm-hmm. crazy level of detailed thought to a concept that was possibly throwaway in Ghostbusters two. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like even like you you they don't really seem it doesn't seem to be like a a clear tie between Vigo and the slime, and it's yeah. like I mean like he talks about like rivers of blood quite a bit himself, but doesn't really talk about slime and how like how is he doing this? Because maybe they don't really think about that all that much in two, and then basically you find out in this game that he's just piggybacking off the work of the Shandor cult yeah and it's like yeah Yeah. like he was a powerful spirit that was attached to the painting and then because of the rise of this slime being pumped under the museum the slime just brings vigo to prominence at the time so but again like 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 i said we could go on for days about (laughs) the lore of this game and how it ties into the movie so well i think it's finally time we start rating this game uh and I want to say that, like, based off of how we've been gushing about the game, there's a good, good chance, my gut says, or I have a strong, strong psychic belief that this may be the highest game we've ever rated. But we'll see. We'll see how things go. Look, I I know that we don't really call ourselves journalists, but there is some (laughs) integrity that comes along with what we do. And uh, I'll be honest. I'm going to be completely honest about this one. So starting off, Joe... Bringing up some graphics, mm-hmm. how do you think this game did from that standpoint, coming from the year 2009? From the year 2009, I thought especially this version of the game, because like I said, not to be confused with the Wii version, which was a shorter version of this game and had a much like more obvious, cute, cartoony feel to it. I don't think it had the vo- the original voice cast for the game. It was clearly a different game that was just released at the same time. Uh, this one, I felt, did its best to take full advantage over the graphics that were over the like the the next gen systems that were the PS3 and the 360 at the time. So I remember it doing pretty well. I remember some rendering issues here and there but like there's never thing where someone's face was suddenly just gone um <laughs> there was nothing at all like that so i mean i would go with like a four or five out of five for graphics on this one okay yeah i mean i i mm-hmm. I, I can mirror some of what you say there now there were times where i noticed that certain models were 
definitely not really all that great. Like if you look at the Ecto one, actually it's the one B. I'm, I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. what version it is. You get close to that and you start to inspect it. You look, yeah, you can see some of it looks a little janky. They couldn't get all the licensed parts to, to also put on that car. So it's like, yeah, there's some give and take there. Um, and you can also tell that this was probably a team that was a little bit smaller from a development standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked to Jesse Sosa, who was one of the uh, character designers for this a couple of years ago, and he pointed out, yeah, like this is this was kind of a grassroots movement doing this. Mm-hmm. So you can you can appreciate that. I mean, oh, there's yeah. there, there's some things here and there you're going to find where you know maybe there's just unused space in a level that you can kind of peek behind like in the firehouse for example mm-hmm. there's just stuff they couldn't put there behind it but you can still see and it's just empty space you know yeah so little things like that uh can impact the graphics for me but um otherwise though i mean yeah i i think for the time period what it was up against you just threw out Ge- uh, gears of war as an example mm-hmm. when i look at those games like Gears of War's like cinematic sequences are usually still looking very similar to the gameplay, mm-hmm. whereas Ghostbusters the video game had some standalone cinematics that looked pretty good, like it, legit they looked they looked really good. And mm-hmm. then when it would shift into in-game cinematics, those still looked pretty good as well. I mean, I I I thought they were both uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um. But at the same time, this is the same console that manages Uncharted, and when Uncharted can look as good as it does, uh, I can't give it a perfect score. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think 4.0 is fair. It's a very clean-looking game, uh, and I can appreciate it for that. Now, when it comes to the gameplay, which is our second metric here, um, this one's a little hard if we were doing like the the remastered version of it, right? Because we have talked about the original release for this, which I feel like is the fair way to kind of talk about it, because this is the original game. Um, the The campaign itself, we kind of talked about, it's fairly linear, but if you're a fan of Ghostbusters, you're going to find ways to extend that, that gameplay. Like, there's the collectibles you talked about, um, there's the PKE scanning and actually getting all of the the ghost types in Tobin's spirit guide which has been digitized and it's on your you know your uh whatever your your hud you can actually upload it so um all of those little things were fantastic for me as a fan but to your point the multiplayer side of this very rare for me to love multiplayer this is one of the only times where i absolutely loved it and it was because there were different modes um there were certain levels where you just had to clear X amount of enemies. You know, there's others where you have to get through, you know, wave after wave after wave. And for a game that you could tell did not have the time or the resources to do what AAA studios can, I mean, they definitely turned in like a full ass product. Like I did not feel ripped off buying this. Um, so the death of multiplayer alongside the the campaign I mean, for me, it was it was fucking excellent, dude. <laughs> I, I can't say, like, I can't say much more about it being fantastic. The, the gameplay itself, it's addictive to play as a Ghostbuster. I'm giving it a five out of five, dude. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say the same thing here. Like, I'm gonna mirror it right away and do uh, five. I we never we I guess we didn't really metric uh, the fives and what they stand for. Usually, we put something on it. Oh um, yes, proton yeah. packs. Sorry, yeah, oh, proton I, packs. I thought oh, proton yeah. packs would be good. Yeah. Oh, it's all yeah, proton packs. All right, so yeah, um, I'm gonna go five proton packs out of five, uh, for the same reason because like I'm trying to think of a time where like I got maybe frustrated with the gameplay because maybe like um like the control didn't feel like it was doing what I wanted it to do, and I feel like that never happened on any on any difficulty level. Like everything did what it was supposed to, um, like when new things happened, like things were challenging, but not never to the point where it felt like it was insurmountable or hard for the sake of being hard. Uh, like the, like the one I remember like being the most difficult time in that game was definitely the little stone baby angels. Yes. The the graveyard. graveyard. God, they were pain in the ass trying to tether those little fucks. Mm -hmm. But when you did it and you got it, you felt good about it, not like thank God it's over. So, yeah. like it was, it was fun to pick up and play, and like 
I feel I want to. I want to. I do not want to say how many times we've played the story mode because that's definitely a different different thing we're scoring here. But <laughs> yeah, it was fun to play from start to finish. The controls worked well, and I loved the uh, the freaking like online just as much as the story mode. So five proton packs out of five. One last thing I want to add to the gameplay of this mm-hmm. was how you could destroy so much stuff in the environment. Oh, gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that that was one thing that f- truly kept the immersion high mm-hmm. because, yeah, you could you could burn the doilies on a dinner table. You know, you could rip <laughs> a wood panel mm-hmm. off of the wall. You know, you can shoot at things and they'll explode. You can light stuff on fire with your, mm-hmm. your, your stream. So that was th- – those little touches, man, they yeah. didn't – they didn't miss a whole lot of those with this game. I, I thought that mention, was really impressive. One of the funnest trophies that is the Ghostbusters drinking game, where you just go around and drink from every <laughs> drinking fountain in the game, and you get a trophy for it. So it's like, <laughs> even then, then like the trophies did like funny little things like that, where like maybe you didn't realize that was a thing. So like when you're you're playing through the game and you're, you're looking at the trophy list, and it's all said and done. Like, all right, now I'm gonna go through, play again, get all these trophies, and then you look at it, it's like, huh. That's a funny one. Yeah, <laughs> and I have yeah. to be on the lookout for all of the water phones now. But I yep. believe this is where we look into replayability at this yes. point. Where um, when you look at, God, like, like, like we were talking about, just the overall fun nature of the story mode and how it feels like it plays out like a movie. It's, it's just one of those things where when, like, there, there are games that I know both of us go back and replay every once in a while, and this is definitely one of them, because it feels like it's continuing a story with some of your favorite movie friends. So when it feels like you can watch a movie and play the video game at the same time, and then while the the online was actually available, like I know you and I kept playing that pretty regularly all in, all the way until they finally pulled the plug. So yeah. this is one where I know that because of how much I absolutely love the franchise and love the movies, uh, even with the multiplayer gone, I can go back and replay this game whenever I feel like it, and I get the itch every once in a while. So I'm going to go replay 5 out of 5 on this one. Nice, man. I, you know, I I think I, I will, will say a lot of the same things here. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would really add to it was for me, it's not a game that I go back and play every single year. Mm-hmm. But I, I will sit down and, and replay it. Yeah, every every two years, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it's it is inter- entertaining enough. I find myself doing a lot of the same stuff, just picking up random pieces of furniture and flinging mm-hmm. them across the room. Uh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. collecting the ghosts in Tobin's Spirit Guide. You know, trying to get all of the upgrades for the proton pack. I mean, mm-hmm. it's and and the trap and the PKE meter. Like they they really had a great concept with this game that's still fun to interact with, you know, even even in multiple replays here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why I will dock it just a little bit is because it is about like a twelve to fifteen hour game. Yeah. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's not like a some of these um, like Ubisoft titles are usually like thirty five hour games. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing even goes for Borderlands to an extent. So it's it's hard for me to give it a five, but I think a four point is fair for it because I mean there's there's a lot to love if you do enjoy replaying mm-hmm. games. It's just yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, one thing that I will say about the music of this, the final metric, mm-hmm. is that th- this is an interesting position to be in for this game, and I'll, I'll, the reason why is because most video games have like entirely original scores we're not borrowing from a lot of like other things but ghostbusters literally reused every like jump scared notification from the movies uh every track from the original soundtrack and even part of ghostbusters 2 was seamlessly woven into how how the music can work in the game um the uh the actual start like the title music for this game is the music from like the end of the movie that it reappears throughout the film. So like the music, yes, it hit me because I'm hearing parts of the soundtrack that I wouldn't always hear theatrically. And, and suddenly it feels like just as much of an extension of the movie in that capacity too. Uh, so 
it's it's well it, they they've diced it up really well. There are some original score uh, songs that they use when you're fighting bosses and you know and and things of that nature uh, when the action ramps up. So I'm going to give it a 4.0 out of five once again because I wouldn't say it's like emotionally gripping music, but it it's almost all familiar and it and it's working really well when they chose to use it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, same thing, man. Like, it just like I I know like we we said it's it's it, you can almost say it's a little lazy that there was so much of it is reused, but I think that's kind of what's perfect about it is that again like it helps add to the the feeling that you're playing a movie because like again you've got this like it's continuing the story that you love it's got the voices from almost everyone who is in it that you love and even like you know a quick like. Alyssa Milano gets to join the cast uh, uh, with there, so she's done very well. And then on top of that, it now sounds like 100% like the movies you loved. So it, in my mind, like worked great because I can I can think of when 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 music was used or when score was used to amplify like the suspense of a moment because it's the same thing that was used in the movies at, at those times uh even like the title um the title like track of this game just coming from like that that very kind of like upbeat offbeat um ghostbusters sound uh when they're when they're fixing up things in the in the early part of the movie like it was great it was beautiful and that's why i'm gonna go with a 4.5 out of 5 proton packs for it because a little bit of more originality would have been the absolute best but what we got was pretty damn good i was gonna say i didn't want to complain too much about it because mm-hmm. it it still creates a really fun experience but yeah like you're not going to hear a ton of original Mm-mm. stuff in it but fortunately for ghostbusters the video game the 2009 mm-hmm. edition it actually joe is in an interesting spot within Ooh. our, our all time list so mm-hmm. ended up giving it 36 proton packs out of a possible 40 for a score of 90% on the dot Ooh. and that puts it just about the middle of all scores that we've given That's so not the best all right yeah not the best but it's in the meaty part of the curve okay you know? Which yeah. which is where you want to be, I think. You know, you don't. Yeah, you, should, you don't. Yeah. I say I should probably stop getting information from an alien at the Holiday in Paralis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, folks, with that, we do thank you for listening to Digital Dissection. As always, we appreciate everything the Dissection crew does for us week after week. Your support does go an incredibly long way. And if you happen upon this show by accident, why not drop us a review or comment on the show? I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and if you would like to do more than just tell other people how much you like us, why not actually contact us directly? Because we do really like hearing from you. So feel free to message us on our social media platforms or an email at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com where you can give us your ideas for future shows or, you know, anything you'd like to talk about. What movie would you like to see a tie-in uh, for and have it actually be really good because I can think of this one and maybe Spider-Man the movie and that's about it. Very small list. And until next time, keep on dissecting. <laughs>